Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Jason Gunlugson, Manitoba champion curler, as he gets set to go to the Briar for the first time. Did play in a wildcard game once, but that's not the same. We all know that. Then we'll talk to Kelvin Check, the coach of the year in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League's first year as coach of the Winkler Flyers. And Bob Irving stops by to preview the Bomber Winter Special. That's all on the podcast. Tim Hortons Briar starts technically Friday, main draw action Saturday in Kingston, Ontario, and the skip of Team Manitoba is Jason Gunlickson, who joins us tonight in studio at CJOB. Jason, thanks for coming in. Thanks so much, Christian, for having me. So you're three, four days away now from getting on the ice there for your first actual game at the Briar. You've been in a wildcard game before. How's it feel right now? Are you getting anxious yet? or It's pretty good. I think we're uh, getting to that part where you're getting pretty prepared and just ready to get there and uh, you know go through the pre-event stuff and uh, get on the ice and make it happen. So what is the when did the transition happen from celebrating the win at the Viterra to let's get ready for the Briar? Um, it's kind of been a little bit of both, but um, I, I think personally, probably <laughs> probably by Monday, it was like start preparing and, and planning. I like to be as prepared as possible. So it was definitely that. But, uh, you know, we all got to hang out together Sunday night. Uh, we do play with an import, Adam Casey from PEI. So 7 a.m. Monday morning, he was off, uh, you know, to, to go back to his family and his newborn Rue. Um, so, you know, it, since then it's been planning and prepping. We had a beautiful, um, like send off and just saw all the support and you don't really realize sometimes when you're in the bubble, just like how many, you know, Manitoba curling fans there obviously are with all the great success. Carrie Anderson, congratulations for winning the Scotties and the two junior teams winning. Um, so no, there, we were just overwhelmed by that a little bit and, uh, now we get ready to go play. Cause I know you were talking to us at the, the media at the Viterra saying you didn't want to think about the Briar yet. We're going to. Celebrate this for a couple of days. Uh, was the celebration after all these years of not winning the Viterra? Was there a little bit of energy expended in that celebration, or was it? You know what? We're not going to think about the past. We got it this year. Oh, I think that I think that it was just exciting, and it was like I said a couple times, and I don't know if maybe this comes across wrong, but for me, it was just a lot of relief. Like I, I knew I could do it, but I actually, you know, did it. The guys were great, but the guys have been great in other years, and. You know, maybe I hadn't been as good as I needed to be to to get it done. So personally, a lot of relief. The team, it was just a lot of excitement. And, you know, um, the team is so big. I mean, you know, there's so, like, I don't know. I was trying to count today coming into this, and I don't know, there's six, seven support staff that I personally use, and the team is probably like 12, 15 of them. Um, you know, so so there's so many people who are, are making it happen, and for all them, it was just so exciting. So that was cool. Is it as simple for you as, because you've always been able to hit, I got to just work on my draw weight. Now that I got draw weight, good things are happening. Or is that too simple? Well, I think it's like very simple, but I mean, maybe a little bit true. I mean, um, you know, one of the cool things about the sport is the Manitoba Tuckers. Um, you see them kind of littered throughout the whole sport. Um, and the, the, one of the tendencies of that uh, technique is just, you know, great hitting. And that's where the Prairies are known for that kind of very um, good hitting game and, and you know that sort of thing and uh, I think for me it was always clear that I had to work on you know the nuance soft game a little bit more and the biggest thing for me in the last three four years has been um, you know hooking up with Connor and Al- Connor and Van and Alex Forrest and um, you know now bringing Adam on board but just having excellent sweeping and um, it makes it a lot easier to be a good drawer when you have amazing sweepers. Absolutely so for those who may not know Alex, Adam Casey has been all over the, the country curling. I think this is his sixth different province that he's 
tried to make the briar in and he's going to be wearing a different jacket. You talk to him. He's, he sounds like an East coaster. He's obviously from the Maritimes. What kind of perspective has he brought to your team? Not just from an experience point of view, but just his personality. Well, it's, it's a really interesting guy. Um, yeah, he like, um, people may know him for playing with Gushu for a whole quadrennial. And then, um, you know, he's bounced around a little bit and, you know, we hope he's found a home here, but you never know in this world, but no, he, he's a, a similar he's a similar outlook on on the world i think to myself and um sometimes he might not want to hear that but uh but no he he definitely like looks at things based on like what probability of success will this be that sort of thing and a really like we're just kind of playing you know um chess or checkers or something when we're playing approaching the sport and um, that's been amazing for me just having the support and sometimes it's challenging my ideas but in a way that i'm i can work with and make me better and sometimes it's just being like guys, you just have to let Jason try this because he's going to be miserable if he doesn't get to try this. And it might work, it might not, but like it's better to have him happy than not happy. So let's go with it. So he's really been a great support. And just about two months ago, um, right around Christmas, I guess, we made the switch where Adam was in the house with me and Alex is sweeping. And um, Adam throws second stones. Yeah, he throws second stones, but and Alex throws, thir- throws third stones. Third stones. But Alex um, is a fantastic sweeper, and he's left-hander. Mm-hmm. So he's on the side where there's very few amazing sweepers in the sport, um, which makes it a lot easier to, for me to make shots. Um, and Adam's just kind of, like I said, we're both a little bit quirky, but uh, we get along really well together in the house. And that's been, you know, a big thing where we won a major bond spiel in the States and then um, won the Viterra, and I think that switch had a lot to do with it. So what happens now for... Well, the next 48 hours, when do you get to Kingston? Um, we get to Kingston on Thursday. We've got uh, a couple hours after this. I've got our coach flying in from BC, um, Gary Vandenberg. We won a bunch of, a uh, couple briars from Manitoba here a few years back. Um, so he's going to come in. We're going to do a couple couple technical tune-ups, and then we're off on Thursday to Kingston. Um, a little bit of the pre-event prep. The briars just such a such a giant event and right. so much fun so it'll be interesting to get that all started and then we'll get to see um team McEwen versus team howard in the wild card game and you know it's i don't know everyone tells me it's the second most pressure packed game in the briar so uh at least we've played one of those what was that like when you did the wild card game a couple years ago it's fantastic um it's really tough because the briar is such a mega event and when you play at a province like manitoba alberta ontario it's just so much harder to get there. John Epping's a good example. Um, recently, like, don't like to talk myself, but he, you know, he um, had never made it to the Briar, and he'd done all these cool things. Was really high ranked, and a couple of years ago, he broke through, and um, then he, you know, was able to get to the Briar, and then, then you know, two years later, he's the number two ranked team in the world, and they're winning all kinds of major events. But I mean, it's hard to get the support needed without getting to the Briar. And the playing game just allows another team that's very good from one of the main provinces to sneak through. Um, so, like, I'm a huge fan, and uh, a couple of people have asked us, like, was playing the wild card game help you in the provincial final? And there's no question. You just need those big games. So looking at your pool, uh, you've got quite the stacked group. You've got Brad Jacobs of Northern Ontario in your pool. You've got Brendan Botcher, who has been in the last two finals. You've got two-time champion Brad Gushu. And then there's Jamie Murphy, Alec Bedard, uh, PEI, and Nudemvit as well. Do you worry about the pool? Do you think, oh my gosh, there's so many big names in there? Or do you think, I can go out and beat anybody? Oh, well, I mean, I think a little bit of both. <laughs> I mean, you realize that some of those teams are very, very consistent and, and obviously tricky to beat. Um, but but for us, we play, we've played all of those teams um, 
quite a lot. Right. Uh, you know, the Nunavut team, for example, like I've played Jake Higgs a lot. I haven't played his current squad, right. but um, so I think we have a you know pretty good game plan for each of those teams. Not saying we're going to necessarily beat them, but we know how we will beat them if we can execute. And uh, so you know, it's tough, but that's what we want. Right. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Right. You've curled for three decades. It's really incredible how much the sport has changed from when you started out playing as a kid. So now where there's not just the national championship on TV, but there's this whole Grand Slam circuit as well, which gets the bigger names and the bigger teams a lot more chances to play the bigger teams. So you're going to go into this having already played all those teams a number of times. Yeah, like I don't know exactly, but I would say that like the the top eight teams or top 10 teams, I mean, will probably have played like 15 plus games against that group of teams, you know, and we've had some definite successes. I mean, we've, we've definitely taken our lumps from some of those teams too, but uh, no, the, the, the fact that we get to play on tour so much and we've slowly been building a corporate backing, you know, with a bunch of sponsors that allow us, we started August 1st in Japan this year and have, you know, traveled and played a ton. Um, both Adam and Alex had a, had a baby this year. So it's been a really interesting schedule and an interesting year, but um, we've played these teams we know what we can do, but on the other hand, like, there's a ranking for a reason, and Brad Gooch, who is good at curling. Yes. <laughs> was there a time during the, you know, you've had a lot of different units, a lot of different lineups, and sometimes you didn't have anybody. Was there ever a time where you wondered if you'd ever get to a Briar? Maybe. I don't know. I, like, it just was, should I continue maybe? And about five years ago, I decided I was kind of, like, taking a break and um, for one season, and when I came back, I'd... I've just had a lot more of a laser focus on, I just want to be, create a team and work with people and just work as hard as we can and try and be num- like the number one ranked team in the world at one point. And if I could maybe be number one ranked team in the world for one minute, that would make me um, extremely happy. And I play with some wonderful people and I've played with some wonderful people and, you know, hopefully I can just continue on that mission to either make it or die trying. What does it say about this province that, Carrie Anderson just won the Scotties. Mackenzie Zacharias just won the World Women's Junior. Jacques Gauthier wins the World Men's Junior. Like, how does that make you feel as a curler in this province? And how much pressure do you feel now that you got to go out and win it to keep that up? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe you could feel pressure. I don't feel any pressure by it. I just feel excitement and and so much, you know, so much. It's just so cool that you get to play in the center of a sport. And basically, when you live in Winnipeg or, you know, in Manitoba, you you do. So, um, like, I played mixed doubles for about two seasons with Shannon Burchard. We played in the Olympic trials. So for her to win was unbelievable. Um, Jacques Gauthier and the guys, like, you know, we, we battled them a couple times this year, played in some same events, and we're, you know, obviously cheering them on and, and the Zacharias team, I, I was always teasing them all year. Like, I can't believe you're wasting your time playing juniors. You're so good. You should be playing women's. And then they go and win the whole world. The other really cool thing about the Jacques Gauthier team is they actually didn't win Manitoba. Right. Right. And for the first time ever, there was a team that didn't go, blah, blah, blah. And there was Manitoba too. So they didn't even win Manitoba and they, um, they won the world. They won the whole world. So like how many teams could we send that maybe could win? So it's really cool and really exciting for the uh, province. Well, Jason, we're all cheering for you this week. Best of luck in Kingston, and maybe we'll talk to you again with a, a tankard in your hands. Anytime. Thanks so much. MJHL last week named its Coach of the Year, and that distinction belongs to Kelvin Check, first-year head coach of the Winkler Flyers, having been an assistant for UBC's men's hockey program previously. 
And Kelvis joins us now on the CJOB Sports Show. Congrats on this honor, Kelvin, first of all. Uh, let's start with this big news. You've been given this honor. Was this a goal you had in mind heading into this season? Uh, no, not uh, not in the slightest. Um, I don't know. I think the big news from last week is that we clinched third place and we kind of settled ourselves uh, into a good spot. But no, no, it's uh, it's a you know it's a very nice honor, and you know I'm really pumped for yeah, sure myself, but just the Flyers. I mean, it looks good on the club, and you know, it just shows that you know myself and uh, Jeff Jensen and uh, my head scout Mike McCauley, we. You know, our goal was just to to improve and you know put a good product on the ice, and um, you know I think we've done we've done that all year. But uh, no, that wasn't uh, you know a year ago this time when I started talking to them about the job, I didn't even know where Weekly was. You know, let alone have a goal for Coach of the Year. So I'm uh, very surprised and honored. I remember talking to you towards the start of the season, and how maybe. Was there a learning curve to the MJHL that maybe you weren't expecting as we hit now the end of your first regular season as coach? Um, I don't know if there was a – that's a good question. I, mean, I don't think there was a learning curve um, with the league. You know, maybe that there – I mean, every league has their own – like every season has their own challenges and ups and downs. So the learning curve for me was that uh, our league is so tight um, and every team is so competitive. Um, you know, and I guess just dealing with a different age of players that I was used to in the past. Um, but again, I, re- I, I never really put any, like, I just didn't think about what could happen, you know, like a month into the season or six months into the, into the season. Um, you know, maybe that's naive of me, but, you know, I honestly just tried to focus on every single day and, you know, one step at a time. And it's a boring old cliche, but, you know, that's how, that's how Jeff and I approached it. And um, so, yeah, not, I, you know, I guess there's a learning curve. I mean, there's a learning curve today and tomorrow every single day. So, you know, that's kind of how we approach it. Now, you mentioned the success of your team right now. Third place, you have, what, one game left before the playoffs? Yep. And so was this a season that maybe exceeded your expectations coming in? Um, I guess so. Um, but, again, we never really had expectations. Like, you know, Jeff and I didn't sit down, you know, I mean, we, we wanted, everyone wants to make the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, kind of halfway through the season when we, you know, realized, all right, our, our team's probably pretty strong. Then we had a goal to get home ice in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, maybe we're slightly surprised that we were this strong. We, 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 I don't know, we'd be surprised if we weren't strong too. So it was just kind of, you know, the first year for us, just looking at, you know, being as open-minded as possible. And, you know, if we weren't strong and didn't make the playoffs, you know, I don't think we would have been surprised by that either. So we just really tried not to put any any pressure on it that way. But, you know, day by day early on in the season, I mean, we lost the first two games. And I think we were 2-5 and five at one point and, you know, made some moves and, and changed a couple things to improve our, you know, improve our team. And, and we did that. So, you know, I don't uh, – that's kind of a rambling way to not even really answer your question, but no, we really didn't have those kind of expectations. Okay. Now you have no idea who your first round opponent's going to be. It could still be Weiwei, it could be Verdon, it could be Dauphin. You don't know, and I guess for you, it really doesn't matter, does it? Because you're you got to beat whoever it is. Yeah, for sure. And each one of those teams presents um, different challenges. I mean, Dauphin's got you know a real high high end. Uh, you know, the, the top end of their team is strong. 
Um, Verdon's a little more balanced, but they, you know, those guys love to score goals. Um, and then Weiwei, we just played them twice, and, you know, they're a fast, hardworking team. So, you know, whoever we play, we need to be prepared for a different uh, type of game and different type of team. And, you know, I'm sure all those teams are saying the same thing. So, you know, whoever we get, we get. And it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be an awesome series no matter what. Now, you said you had no idea where Winkler was when you started looking into this job. What have you learned about Winkler yeah. since you moved there? Well, we just had a practice on uh, an outdoor rink at the high school here. and um, You know, and that's just kind of, it's just an awesome community. And, yeah, so we're out on the ice and we're just scrimmaging because we have five practices in a row. So we kind of want a bit of a mental breather. And all of a sudden, the entire school is outside watching us practice and, and cheering the guys on. So, you know, that's just kind of how it works here. It's, it's, a, it's, it's growing into a city, but it's a tight-knit community. And, you know, we, I had a neighbor drop off cookies for me, you know, a week after I moved here. And I was like, that doesn't happen in Vancouver. So um, that's the biggest thing with Winkler. It's got everything you need. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an awesome place. There's not too many people. So that's a nice change of pace as well. Well, and the idea of being able to go out and skate, I mean, there's nothing more Canadian than that. Well, <laughs> exactly, and the guys are guys have their sunglasses on. I back my truck up to the right to the rink, and there's all these kids around, and, you know, I'm on the ice of my tracksuit, and I'm shaking, and I'm freezing. You know, these kids are outside wearing their hoodies and whatnot, and, like, you know, doesn't affect them at all. So, you know, yeah, to be able to have a cool outdoor rink practice, two weeks before playoffs was uh, was pretty neat. Now, also a shout-out from the league to your, one of your defensemen, Drake Bergen, son of Kevin, who works here, uh, was named the defenseman of the year. How important has he been to the team, and what have you seen in his development that has led him to this point where he's the best defenseman in the MJHL? Yeah, you know, I mean, he obviously has the tools, you know, to be able to be that defenseman, but, you know, he, every, you know, every every school I talk to about Drake, you know, and they ask about his character and whatnot. And, you know, people say, yeah, Drake's a bit of a quieter kid. But it's, you know, in the dressing room, he's not that quiet. Um, so I, I've really seen him just throughout the year just mature and just, you know, he gets more more and more confident every week. And that translates, you know, to what he does on the ice and, you know, his ability to get up in the play and rush the puck and use his feet. You know, you have to have a mindset to do that. And, and he certainly does. And he's... You know, he's he's shown that he's ready for that next level. Um, you know, he plays with um, different guys. You know, the, the whole year he's at different partners here and there, and he, he doesn't change his game. And, you know, for me, the, the mark of a really good player is someone who makes people around him better. Um, you know, he's got 55 points or whatever, whatever he has, and he's got lots of power play points because he makes those guys better. So, you know, he's gone from being a really good player to an elite player, and, uh, you know, we're really lucky to have him. And what about his leadership as an assistant captain? Early on, I mean, yeah, maybe when I first met him, it, it took a little bit. You know, he he does have that uh, persona that he is a little bit quieter, but, you know, him and I had some really good conversations early on. And, um, you know, I, I put letters on a couple guys' jerseys who aren't here anymore. Um, but with Drake, it was just, you know, he's got real integrity, you know, with his leadership and, the guys follow him and he's, he's a strong player and he plays a lot and, you know, he's a, he's a humble kid. So, you know, he's not a guy that is overly vocal, like doesn't lead that way, but, you know, he works hard. He's in the gym every day. He, he wants to get to the next level and, you know, guys follow, guys follow that example. 
Finally, just on the schedule, you only have the one game left. Some teams have as many as four. Do you like the fact that you're kind of easing into the playoffs right now? I sure do, but if the schedule is different, I would say that I like it that way too because I'm the guy who made the schedule. So um, that that was one of the – so what happens is you go and everyone's in a room and and the coaches build schedules basically together, like you choose your road games. Um, So there's, there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. And, uh, you know, it's myself and Jeff Jeanson, we're in there and we're the, we're the rookies and guys are trying to take advantage of us schedule-wise. And, you know, our, our slogan for our team is the obstacle is the way. Um, and, you know, when you play three games in three nights and you play in Swan twice and then you play in OCN, you know, we always looked at everything all year as, well, this is just a challenge and we have to overcome it. And I think we had three, three times we did three games in three nights um, and we won eight of them. So, you know, we don't let the guys use the schedule as an excuse. So, but yeah, to answer your question, to have one game in the last two weeks, I mean, that was not by design, but just kind of how, how things work out. But, you know, we'll use it to our advantage. Let, let guys heal up a little bit. And, you know, one game in two weeks is, is nice for some of the guys, you know, who've gone through a, such a grind in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, like I said, if we played four games in the next seven nights to go into the playoffs, um, you know, with a bit of a different mindset, I would tell you that that's good for us too. So, Whatever it is, you know, whatever, whatever the schedule is, no matter what, we'll, we'll look at the positives and, and overcome it, you know, however we need to. Well, perfect. Wish you the best of luck, yeah. Kelvin. Congratulations again on being the coach of the year, and uh, thanks for taking time to chat with me tonight. Thanks, Christian. Really appreciate it. Tomorrow night on 680 CJOB. At 7 o'clock, it is the Blue Bomber Winter Special, and rolling out of hibernation to host it is the voice of the Blue Bombers, Bob Irving. Bob, are you ready to rock? Wait a minute. I was on the start this morning, so my hibernation (laughs) ended this morning, Christian. But yes, I'm ready to rock. (laughs) No, we've done this, as you know, the last couple of years. We've decided that at some point in February we should do a two-hour show uh, strictly about the Blue Bombers, and uh, I'll come in and host it. You'll get the night off. I know you'll enjoy that. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get caught up from uh, Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea on the makeup of their roster, and then we'll talk to a bunch of players: Andrew Harris, Pat Newfeld, Darvin Adams, Zach Kolaris, uh, the commissioner, will join Ooh. us too. Uh, the commission's in town tomorrow uh, to meet with some Bombers season ticket holders and get their views on different things, and then we'll have him on for a few minutes, a few minutes too. So, and Ed Tate's going to join me uh, in the studio for the show too. So uh, we'll have two hours of. Solid blue and gold from 7 to 9 tomorrow night, Christian. And somehow you're going to squeeze all that into two hours. Yeah, I, some of the interviews will probably be a little shorter than I maybe would have liked, but, uh, you know, we'll try to we'll try to get as much in there as we can. And, uh, yeah, I think the fans will enjoy it. I know there's great excitement about uh, still the Grey Cup victory and, and the players we're going to talk to, I know, still feel that. But they're already looking forward to 2020 and, trying for that uh, elusive repeat, which hasn't happened very often in the CFL. Now, uh, I don't want to spoil your show too much, so I won't ask you what you're going to ask them about. People got to stay tuned for that. I I know you're going to ask the commissioner about the playoff system. You tweeted out when this news came out about the idea of uh, ditching the conferences or the divisions, having maybe the top overall seed pick their opponent in the second round. You said the CFL can't be serious about a playoff system where a team picks its playoff opponent. It's a little early for an April Fool's joke, isn't it? Next idea, please. So uh, you going to talk to the commission about that? Yeah, oh, sure. It's funny. When when that uh, story first came out that they were considering that playoff system, 
Uh, little did I know that apparently it was Wade Miller's idea. It was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would have still tweeted what I tweeted, though. It's funny, uh, Christian, I, I still don't like, I mean, I like the fact that they're going to go possibly with the two division winners and then the next four with the best records and give the division winners the bye and and that sort of thing. But I don't like the picking part. I, right. There's too much gimmickry in that for me. And yet, the more I think about it, and I've read, I've read a bunch of stories, and uh, you know, a lot of the sort of reasons and defenses of it, and uh, how it would uh, create fan excitement and all sorts of uh, bulletin board material, and and all of that's true. And so, I suppose if it does come to pass, it, it might uh, it might prove to be very interesting. Uh, certainly, as a purist, I think it's gimmicky. But uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a gimmick uh, is a good idea as you try to fill those stadiums when the weather gets colder in the playoffs. So as much as I'm opposed to it and don't think it's a great idea, I think I've softened my stance a little bit uh, the more I th- the more I think about it. Baseball's looking at something similar as well, but yeah. I don't mind the ditching of the divisions because oftentimes we see imbalances in the CFL and yeah. usually it's the East getting too many teams in. This would kind of help eliminate that. Yeah, sure it would, and I, I think that's what it's all about. I know when when they went to the crossover, the whole idea was to get the better teams in the playoffs, and uh, this would only enhance that. And so, uh, I'm all for that. Then the aspect of, I tell you what, I, I guarantee you that Mike O'Shea, there isn't a coach in the league who thinks this is a good idea mm-hmm. to be able to pick your opponent, uh, because it, all you're doing is whoever you pick, they're gonna. You're just giving them so much motivation and incentive and all the rest of it that the coaches will they'll be sick over this, but uh, they won't have any say in it. This will be decided by the managers and the governors, so uh, we'll see how it we'll see how it plays out. I can't. I mean, I'll say the bombers finish first, and uh, then uh, you know they've got to choose between what uh, Ottawa and I don't know Saskatchewan. Well, they probably pick Ottawa. Uh, although the, I'm sure Wade Miller would rather they pick Saskatchewan because then they'd fill the stadium. Game, so there's, yeah. all sort, there's all sorts of uh, things that would factor into it, aren't there? Yeah, it is. It I is. guess that's why they're talking well, about it. Well, yeah, and it, you know what? People are talking about it, but at the, uh, the flip side of that argument is if you're the best team, doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're the best team, you should win no matter what, right? Like yeah, you're making an excuse. No, no. Yeah, I get that. No, absolutely, I get that. Uh, I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, as we talk about it, uh, there's certainly... It would create a lot of a lot of discussion and a lot of interest, and really, that's at the root of it. And I guess uh, there's a lot to be said for that. Aside from the Bombers, uh, which team in this off season has, in your mind, done the best to enhance their chances to win the Grey Cup this fall? Would it be Hamilton? Well, I read a piece the other day that they're calling Hamilton, the Ticats, uh, that they've put together what they call a super team. I don't know about that, but they've certainly, you know, they've signed most of their key guys and they've added a few others. And, yeah, they look uh, they look really good. They were good last year. I mean, they were 15-3. and three. I don't know how you improve on that, Christian. The only way you'd improve is to win the Grey Cup. Uh, but they, on paper, they look very, very strong for sure, far and away the strongest team in the East, and they've got the two quarterbacks, Mazzoli back, and then Dane Evans, who played so well. You know, what a great one-two punch that is at the quarterback position. They've got outstanding receivers. Um, You know, they've got it all. They really do on paper. So, yeah, they look, I would say, most improved. The teams that's probably made the most changes 
uh, to what will be their starting lineup is Toronto. And, of course, they had to because they were so bad last year. And I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Uh, they've lost some key players, too. And uh, Matt Nichols might be uh, he might be in for a, an interesting time in terms of having an old line that can give right. him the kind of protection he got here. So I'm not sure about the Argos. They've made a lot of changes, but uh, how that's going to work, I don't know. But clearly, Hamilton, Ottawa should be certainly better. They had a terrible year last year. Montreal, you know, I think they'll be middle of the road, uh, but pretty good now that they have a quarterback in young Adams. And out in the West, it's the same story every year in the West, Christian, that the teams all look pretty good on paper. I mean, Calgary dipped into the free agent market a little bit and filled some holes. Uh, BC, I don't know, they've, they've added some guys, but, you know, are they going to get Darrell Walker, who's still out there, the I think the best receiver in the league who still hasn't signed with anybody. I think if they get him, then automatically uh, Mike Riley and that offense become better. So, yeah, back to what you said, uh, Hamilton appears to be the team that got the strongest, and they were already strong. And But the Bombers, look, the Bombers did great, right? They re-signed just about all of their key guys. Uh, they couldn't fit them quite all of them under, under the cap. The one guy they lost who I'm sure they would love to have had would have been Drake Nevis at tackle. But, uh, you know, again, you, you've got to stay within the salary cap and the money they spent on some of the key guys put them in a tough spot. And then the four they lost to the NFL, well, you can't control that. There's just no way you can get around. They were key guys, obviously. But, no, I think they've done very well. You're also a big-time curling aficionado in your yeah. many decades covering sports in this province. Has Manitoba ever had a weekend like they just had, winning two world championships in the junior ranks and then the Scotties? No, not that I can remember. You know, I covered a bunch of Briars back in the 70s and 80s, and dating myself again, aren't I? And I loved it. I mean, curling's been a love of mine since I can remember. And during that period and into the 90s, Christian, we were considered, Manitoba was considered the curling capital of Canada, and we were very proud of that. And then we kind of lost a bit of our mojo in Alberta, um, you know, started winning a bunch of briars with the Furby gang and all the rest of it, and we, we sort of fell by the wayside. But, boy, we're uh, we're back on top now and have been since Jennifer Jones started her domination. And then, you know, Mike McEwen's had some really good teams, certainly on the pro circuit. They've been as good as anybody, except for the last year or two. They've slipped a little bit. But, uh, yeah, what what the juniors did in Russia and then uh, Carrie Anderson Man, her team is really, really outstanding. I think they're so strong from top to bottom. Uh, yeah, it was a great weekend. And that game, <laughs> that women's final on Sunday night, did you watch it? I assume Of course you did. I did. Yeah, wow, I mean, what a finish. When she missed that shot in the 10th end, she almost started crying. I thought, oh, man, the poor kid. There's no way. I'll, if she has to draw the forefoot again, there's no way she'll be able to do it. But good for her. She nailed it. And I, that said something about... Uh, about her strength, didn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that final was kind of boring for the most part. Yeah. Manitoba was yeah. steadily ahead. They're up four after eight ends. And she almost makes a run back to win it with her first in the 10th. And then it slides heavy and you're thinking, whoa, whoa, what just happened? But then she puts it on the lid. I talked to her yesterday at the airport and she said, I'm like, how did you park that? She said, yeah, you just shrug your shoulders and say it happens. And then what does she go and do? She nails it. She puts it on the, the lid. So uh, I don't know if I've ever, you know, minus that miss really in 10, she almost made every shot she played all weekend. And I don't know if I've ever seen a skip really play that well. No, she was brilliant. I mean, some of the shots she made and she's the real deal. I mean, she's been good for a number of years, as you well know. And now that, uh, you know, they've got this strong team, but the way she played in those last three or four games was 
it was it was fun to watch and you know i think it's the emotional uh hit that she took when she missed that draw you just wondered if emotionally she could pull herself back together but she did and 15 minutes later uh, drew the forefoot which you know we've always said in in curling that uh, if you're the skip and you can't draw the forefoot when you have to then you're not as good as you think you are <laughs> then you shouldn't be the skip right any any skip uh, should be able to draw the forefoot in the, in the, certainly in the last end. You know that's easy for us to say, isn't it? But uh, right. I think there's a lot of truth in that, and she uh, she did it, and good for her. Very impressive. So, other than watching curling and and golf, what have you been up to? <laughs> well, hockey. I watch some hockey. Uh-huh. <laughs> I watch everything: uh, tennis, uh, golf, curling, as you say. Um, well, we've we've done some traveling. My wife and I too. We've been away a couple of times this winter, and we might uh, go away a couple times more, but. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a typical winter for me. Uh, nice to to get away from the cold every now and then, and then come back to our our family, which is all here, and catch up on the sports. Although I follow it when I'm away, you can never get that out of your system. You'll find that out, Christian, when you get a little older, and <laughs> even when you're not working, you well, you know what it's like. You just uh, you're a sports fan, right? So sports consumes uh, my every being and every well, minute. Ex- yeah, exactly. And so that's that's kind of who we are, right? So yeah. you never get away from it, but. Uh, no, it's been a nice winter uh, in all respects, and boy, football season's coming fast. I can't get over the fact that the first preseason game is May 24th, and I don't ever recall a preseason game in May. Um, yeah, um, so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna close in real fast, and then away we go and see if the Bombers can, uh, you know, carry that Grey Cup momentum into 2020. One last thing, Bob. There's a Shania Twain poster out in the sports area. And, and we're moving downtown and Kelly Moore wanted to get rid of it. And I'm like, this, this is no, this cannot be, this cannot be thrown away. I'm taking this if not for nothing but Bob Irving. So would you like me to take it to my apartment and keep it there? Or would you like it for yourself? No, here's the thing, Christian, I'll be there tomorrow night to do our blue bomber winter special from seven to nine. And I will, when you come in the next day, that poster won't be there. Christian, <laughs> that's my poster. Okay. <laughs> All right, Bob, it's all yours. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, Christian, thanks. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?